Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, dear listener. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. This would not be spouting out in your ears if it weren't for our fabulous sponsors. Indulge me for just a few seconds, please. Thank you to 34sp.com. They are web hosters. Oh, and also, if you use the code TLNA, you get three months free at 34sp.com. Big up the Gregorian. Uh, Richard Gregorian, of course, gelaw.co.uk. We're giving away some prizes uh, at the moment on the show, and he paid for them. So thank you very, very much indeed. James and Mark Sommers from SommersWasteSolutions.com, the one-stop place for all of your waste needs. They can save you money and Here's the thing, they can probably make your company greener as well. SommersWasteSolutions.com And finally, Nick and Zeus and the team at Poseidon Safety Management. Check them out on Twitter, at Poseidon Safe. They're getting a little bit fruity on there. I suspect they'll be booted off at some point. They are making Devon and Cornwall safer. Ladies and gentlemen, on with the show! is a conversation with a survivor of child abuse. The chat is frank and the topics discussed include mental illness, suicidal thoughts, but ultimately it's about survival. If this is too close to your own experience, you might want to sit this one out. Oh, watching that Beckham's thing has made me realise I miss TV. Oh, stop it. Shut your face, you! They bloody don't. They treat you like crap and it's generally run by a-holes. Say hello to this caller, please. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you? All right. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm not too bad. It's very good to speak to you. What's your name? My name is Christopher. Hello, Christopher. And uh, today I've been listening to you two for uh, many a, a while, and um, and and today was the day that I thought I was going to call you for the first time because something significant happened. Thank you very much. That's a great time to be. What can we do for you, Christopher? What's going on? What, what caused you to pick up the phone? So, um, I mean, it, I, it's a bit of a clunky gear change because I know you've been like, watching nice videos and stuff like that. Um, but uh, today was the day that I found out that 
the uh, police are no longer going to continue the investigation into the sexual abuse that I suffered uh, uh. as a kid. And uh, I decided that whenever I found out the which way that was going to go, I was going to call you guys to, I don't know really, just talk about it and uh, chat with people that I felt were, you know, would, 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 would just be a nice ear, really, to talk about it. Um, how are you feeling? Um, or don't you know yet? I am still figuring it out. In the moment when they phoned me, I was not surprised. Mm. But in the last time I went to a therapy session, I, I was saying to my therapist that I had kind of accepted that I think I was going to be angry when it came about. And... I think I probably am going to be angry and I think I'm going to be ill for a little while. Um, so I've like already prepared my my family for that in a way. Um, yeah. My wife sort of knows, knew that, yeah, I just sort of said to her, hey, do you know what? I think when this, I, I've spent ages, everybody does this horrible thing. Like even my therapist and like every, everybody's always just asking you, uh, how do you think you'll feel when it goes one way or the other? And it's like it's really not helpful because you just don't know until it happens. So all you're doing is hypothesizing over something that you don't know the emotion until you have the real decision in front of you. And uh, so I always I try to avoid thinking about it. And then now it's happened, I have to think about it. And I can't stop thinking about it. Can I ask why they decided to stop investigating it? And and you reveal as much or as little as you're you're prepared to. And 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 I have to say this, and I I hate saying this, but obviously no names and stuff. I'm really sorry yeah, that yeah. I have to say that. No, no, no. no but no, but no, you know, did, tell us as much or as little as you want. But what what why did, did did they give you a reason for stopping the investigation? Yeah, it's basically uh, there's just not going to ever be enough evidence. It's just his word against mine. Uh, you know, this happened like 20 years ago and I only started to talk about it uh, just over a year ago. That was when I first told my wife what had happened to me. Like, we've been dealing with my depression and panic attacks for a bit longer than that, but I just thought, sort of had this breakthrough moment where I was like, oh, do you know what? I think it was probably connected to all of that. Yeah. And... Um, and so, and then I ended up on this really, uh, I've been like, I'm trying to say that like my journey through it all has been, I just kind of go with the flow. I've not got any agenda. I didn't want to take him down or anything like that. It was just always about only, the only objective was me getting better and me learning to accept it and, and being able to, you know, be around my family and other people and not feel anxious and all of this. And so I just ended up in this, you know, it's probably for another time, but I ended up in this ridiculous situation where uh, I was not forced, but the police ended up knowing about it because of a testimonial I gave somewhere. And it was like, well, it's up to you if you want to take it further or not. And my interest was in whether or not I'd done it to anybody else. Um, we've got, like, friends in common and stuff like that, and he was still in my life in a way. Um, and so I kind of was holding out hope. I felt... My motivation was that maybe I was going to be the uh, touch paper that would maybe unleash other people coming forward or that might connect other dots to 
a larger thing that was happening in my hometown or something like that. And it's just like notch after notch has been, no, that's not the case. Uh, it was. It, it feels like it was pretty much I was just this very unique or idiosyncratic opportunity for the person to do what they did to me. And um, and as a result, there's, you know, like, because there's just no evidence. There's no, you know, people can say things like, oh, yeah, no, they, we did know that they were friends and stuff like that, but it's my word against his. And, and the worst thing about it all is that it was only because of the police involvement, like, as part of their investigation, they brought him in to question him about it and stuff. So and now it's this thing where it's like he knows, and all right, he's gone through all that rigmarole and stuff, and I'm certain it's stressed him out. Um, but now it's that thing where it's like, that's one of the things I've not been able to shake today. It's probably this idea that he's walking around with a, uh, you know, a peck in his step, yeah. thinking like, ah, oh, you know, that, it was boys being boys. I told him it was consensual. And it's like, how can a, how does a 10 year old mm. know, the, know what consensual means? You know what I mean? May I ask, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, 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 how old was he? Well, if you were 10, he was um, uh, like three or four months older. Right. Okay. And you you sound like you have been doing the work with a therapist and perhaps even with your wife, which is amazing. Uh, so you, you're, uh, this is, might sound really patronising. I'm trying not to. No, don't worry, but man, don't it, worry. It, it sounds like you know that this is not your fault and that it was, it was abuse. You know that, don't you? Yeah, 100%. you've accepted that. Good. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. worried. The point. I, I was hoping that this hadn't put some kind of doubt in your head. But you, you, you know that you, you know all that. Good. All right. Yeah. Um. That's shit. I mean, that's yeah, uh, yeah. That's shit. That's terrible. It's like it's really, um, it's really weird. Like the officers that were talking to me um, and did the investigation, they were they're nice as pie, and you know. They've always been really upfront with me and said, <clears throat> you know, they believe me. Um, and I think it is one of those things where, I mean, obviously there's this culture these days now, which is like, it's the right thing to do is to believe victims. You know, to work on this assumption of like, why would I, as a victim, out of the blue, just come and make, make this up? Mm. And, and, and the guy who interviewed me, um, he, when we spoke on the phone a couple of weeks after it, he said to me, like, having sat in a room with you for two hours and had you recount everything that you went through, there is no doubt in my mind that something happened to you and that I've no reason to believe that you aren't telling us every, you know, as much of the truth as you can or, you know, like everything that you happened and how you saw it from your perspective. And, um, and, so, and so even though that's the case, and even though I know that the, the officers that looked into it, you know, and worked in that department and stuff, and they're very quick to, you know, distance themselves from it in the sense of, like, it wasn't their decision, it was, like, their supervisor's decision. Yeah. Like, not even to pass it on to the CPS to, like, look at and yeah. think if they would take it forward. And it suddenly just feels a bit like, yeah, you know, well, it's all well and good you saying you believe me, but, you know, what, what effing good is that if, you're not gonna, I don't know, like fight my corner. I guess yeah. it just—it just feels like a huge waste of my time. Yeah, that, and that I get—I I get the frustration, especially when you think it's just one bloke who you've not spoken to making the decision from on high. I, I get it. Oh, what would you? 
and maybe you don't have an answer to this, but what would you, why did you go to the police? What did you have an idea of how you wanted this to end up? No. Um, so basically, um, I have you guys heard of the Truth Project? Do you yes. know what that is? Yes. So I, um, it was so weird. Last Christmas, I honestly felt because I was watching some snooker and I saw this advert twice in a row. And I, you know, when you just have one of those moments where it's like the proof of marketing work. And I was like, this advert is for me. And the wording of it was all like, if you've been through child sexual abuse and want to share your story, I think it can help contact the Truth Project. And I was like, you know, I was definitely going through this process of sharing and stuff. And, and I thought, you know, I, for me, it's one of those things where I'm quite cold to it now. Like, I could happily talk in very uh, minute detail about the graphic things that happened and it not affect me. Like, talking about the physical things, I'm obviously mm. not going to do that. But, you know, like, when you... I don't know, you just get to a point where there's just, like, an emotional dissonance to it. Mm. And so I told... I contacted the Truth Project and, and told them my story. And they were, like the first people, I think, to, I'd already started, I'd already been using the word abuse, um, but they were the first people to say something along, they made it clear that, like, if you, if you know it's an independent study, if you told them a certain amount of information, they would have an obligation to tell them, contact the police to say, you know, this is about a person who maybe is still a threat to their, the wider community. And I gave them enough information because I was a bit like, I, you know, it's not, look, I'm, I'm not the criminal here. There's not, there's nothing to lose. I kind of, I knew that I purposely at the time dropped in enough information about who he was and what he did that it would lead to the police. And that was, honestly, that was just out of curiosity because I, I felt like it, it was that sort of thing. And anyway, so they, they said, oh yeah, we've got an obligation to pass on to the police. And then the police, as a result of that, contacted me and it was like, they then put it in my hands to say, so my only motivation a couple of minutes ago was it was just about, did he do it to anybody else? Mm. Um, we lived in a really weird sort of like, well, parish, because it's all connected to church sort of thing, um, where I'm aware of two or three other slightly different incidences that have happened over the years that are of a similar ilk. I'm not saying it's connected to the church at all, but it's just one of those things, you know, when yeah. you just think, well, you know, is this just three, three massive coincidences or could it be that they're all linked? And I just felt this sense of like, and basically, when impressing that to the police, there was a thing of like, well, for any of, if, if we can, if for us to look into any of that, it has to start with you putting a complaint forward. And I wrestled with that for months because they also made it quite clear to me that if what I've said is true, which it was, um, but if what I've said is true and he's found guilty, um, it is a crime. And, you know, they laid it on not quite thick, but like they, they were upfront about it. It was like, yeah. it, you'll, you'll ruin his life. Like, he'll never work in his job again. He'll, he'll lose his, his family, et cetera, et cetera. And that was a huge thing for me. To, I spent so long trying to overcome and having so many different people rightly and, and, and lovingly say in my day to me, why are you why are you wrestling with this because of how it's gonna affect him? Like do whatever you think is right. And so I just did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. And then piece by piece, as all these different elements have fallen over 
not in the direction I thought, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, one of his exes, it's, you know, hasn't intimate, hasn't intimated that anything happened. Um, it doesn't seem like there's any connection to other people. Like, because it's just, my wife phrased it really, really well at one point because she said when he was interviewed, the fact that one of the most emotional responses I had, sorry, I'm a bit rambling. No, no, you carry on. One of the most emotional responses I had about it all was when they interviewed him, the fact that he didn't offer anything up, the fact that he didn't, like, say, yeah, I did that, but it's because such and such did it to me before. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and my wife was like, you wanted him to say that because you wanted to excuse it. You didn't want it to just be that he is a monster. And, you know, but that he just did you because he's a horrible narcissist, all these different things, manipulative, etc. I've had this power and control over you. And him not offering that up, because that's what I would do in, my, in, in his situation. I felt like I felt like if there's a truth out that that thing happened, but he's weighed up all those pros and cons and he has to listen to with him. And, and whatever, you know, I still am not eliminating the possibility that something's happened to him beforehand, but he's just felt if I can get away with it in the first instance without them ever even looking into it, if I can just say it's boys being boys. And so that, so even from, from a position of having no motivation whatsoever, there is just this part of me now that feels a bit like, you know what, maybe I do want to take him down a bit. <laughs> you know, like he's done a bad thing and he's got a better life than me. But like in, in certain very fickle ways, you know, money and all that. Mm. Well, he's not carrying the weight of this because no, he's just gone with his wife. Um, your wife sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty good. She does. She she sounds incredible. Um, not every this may surprise you. Not every partner who is told about you know sexual abuse that happened at a young age. Not every partner is um is interested or is supportive. So. Uh, yeah. she, she sounds, you know, she sounds incredible, and I, and I imagine that must have been hard for her as well to know that the person she loves the most in the world um, yeah. has had something so horrendous happen to them. No, it was, well, it, you know, it was really weird as well because um, she has been, and, and like when I'm in my lower moment. Oh, oh no! 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 Getting back. Christopher! I could see that the um, call was a little bit unstable, but... Christopher! Welcome to the EE voicemail. I'm sorry, but... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Oh, oh God. We were worried, what a that moment. Your, worried that your phone had died and that was it. God. No, no, no. I don't actually know what happened there. I've not well, moved the car for Well, welcome minutes. back. Welcome back. Go on. You were telling us about when you were really low. Oh, yeah. No. So, I've... Um, when I get really low, I'll say things to her like... Um, that... Like, I've been unfair to her because we've, we've, we've nearly been married 10 years now. And so, it's like... But she met me. 13-odd years ago or whatever it was, and she didn't know anything about this, and then she yeah. fell in love with me, we fell in love with each other, and she married a guy that was completely different to the person I am now, and then we moved back close to my hometown like five or six years ago, and that's when it all started mm. bubbling up, and then all of a sudden I dropped this on her, and obviously she turned around and said those amazing sort of things, which are, you know, are of course true, like, you know, for better or worse, and I'm here, I'm here for whatever you need, but, you know, it's like, I said, I say things to her like, but if I told you this when we first met, maybe you wouldn't have married me. And so, like, I kind of robbed you of the right to to make that decision for yourself. You know, it's, it's all well and good me telling you when we've been married for nine years because you've got nine years and two kids' worth of experience with me that are at stake if you, as you say, like, well, not rightfully, but you, you can't judge anybody for the way they would react when I no. when I tell them what. But that's not that's not how life works, no. is it? You don't when you meet a partner. I don't even know. Maybe you didn't. Let's say when I say maybe you didn't even remember it when you met her. I don't want to downplay it, but maybe it, I, I'm guessing no, it no, wasn't. Was, it was it wasn't at the forefront of your mind. You know, it was you kind of pushed it back a bit, yeah. and you fall in love, and you're going out clubbing, and you're doing whatever you do. And we, when we meet someone, we don't tell them. By the way, when I was ten, this happened, and then when I was fifteen, I did this, and at sixteen, I told my mum yeah, to ever. Yeah. We don't do that, do we? How you survived is how you survived, right? And so I don't know how you coped with it, whether it was something that you carried around with you, or whether, as you say, it was kind of going back to your um, hometown that brought it all back, or you were confronted with um, a familiarity of it and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's definitely that. It's yeah, ha- it's definitely that. But the fact is that you survived the only way you could because you were a kid. And um, yeah. and I, I'm yeah, sure yeah. your wife gets that. And and I'm also sure that she knew something was up and uh, she's probably just grateful that you finally told her so she could help you with it. Well, Where- I think, yeah. Well, it was funny because, like, as I say, I've been going, been having the, um, you know, increasing panic attacks and like, I have, like, you know, Side of thoughts and stuff like that from time to time, and it, it the worst it ever was was one day when I had like a straw that brought the camels back home, and, and I ended up having a I was meeting her at work, and um, I was really really angry about various different things that I'd annoyed myself about during the day. And as soon as I saw her, I thought what I was I walked to meet her at the car park, 
And what I thought I was going to do, and I had every intention of doing this, I'd been wiped up in a bottle the whole time I was walking to the car park. I thought I was going to put my fist through the car window. And as soon as I um, saw her, instead what happened was my legs turned to jelly, I couldn't breathe, and I just started crying. And I, I, I was paralytic for half an hour. She managed to get me in the car. She left work early. We drove home. And as we were driving home, I told her this was the closest I'd ever come to taking my own life. Like, I, I'd, I'd, I'd felt a glimpse. I felt a brief moment where I uh, nearly just jumped in front of traffic. Yeah. And as macabre as this sounds, the only reason I didn't do it was because it was a Mercedes convertible. And I thought, that's not even going to kill you. It's just going to break your legs. And that's just going to make it even worse. And so we... But, through what so so with that that event and, and various different things and that was what got me started talking to doctors and going out having medication and all this and so from that point on you know we had this acknowledgement between us that I'm unwell and that I need help and I need to talk to people and whatnot but it absolutely was like it took two years for me to then connect that dot of oh and I remember what I was like I'm. I'm a builder and um, I was doing a certain job on this particular project and uh, as I was doing it, I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, I was probably listening to you guys, if I'm honest. And uh, I just had this, this moment in my head where I connected the dots and went, oh, it'll be that. And then I, and then I fantasized about what it was going to be like if I told my wife and I knew, how, I knew she'd react supportively. And it was, it was almost as if I'd never thought about connecting even those stars as well, connecting that thing of like, oh, well, you know that that is the reason that you're like this. What if you told her? And I just was suddenly like, she'll be amazing. She will she will handle it with a plum. And so I told her that night. Um, and then we just sort of gone from there. But she, it was the last possible thing she thought I was going to say. Because in her head, as with everybody else, or not everybody else, but so many people I've told, like, they'll say you are the last person we would have ever thought would have been through something like that because you've worn the mask so well. And yeah. I don't know if you, you're the same, Ian, but it's like, it's not the compliment that you want to hear when people are like, I wouldn't have had a clue. And it's like, yeah, I, please don't be telling me that I'm an amazing actor. Like, that's not what mm. I want to hear. When, so did you, you're saying you found out today that the police weren't going to take it any further? Yeah, that's right. Uh... I was going to say, what do you do now? But I guess it's too soon to 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 answer that question, isn't it? Yeah, I, I we've been talking about it as like a metaphor of I've been at a crossroad, uh, sorry, a fork in the road for since the police thing got involved, got started. Of like, well, if it goes down that route and there's a, a prosecution takes place or some maybe it goes to court and all of this, well, obviously that will then dominate your time. So there's no point in thinking about what else you could do about it. Because, like, I, I don't know, I don't know what potential doors I can open for myself. But I am eager to to use the experiences of what happened to me to help others if I can. Mm. You know, whether that's through group therapy or telling my story or whatever it is. Um, but I always sort of thought, well, don't try and do that. Don't take on too much. Don't don't even try and look into that stuff or do that stuff was there the potential that this was on the card. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I've not really looked into 
any of it. And, it, and, and, and the, the metaphor we used today was, it was like, okay, you've been sat stationary at this fork in the road for what has essentially amounted to six months. It was flipping March when the police first got in touch. And it, it takes eight, I just... I mean, I'm not bothered because it's not. I, I often say this phrase of like, "Look, I've been living with this for 20 years. What's another two months?" Like, I'm not bothered when there's a delay. But part of you just can't believe the the hoops they have to jump through. That it's taken this long, you know. And, and obviously, it's just a job to these people. People go on annual leave. Summer was crazy. COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is just what it is. But it's like I've been sat at this fork in the road this whole time, thinking, "Well, are we going down that road or not?" Mm. And today, I basically got told, well, that road is now closed, so you can't even go down that road. And so it's like, right, well, we've got to go down that other one, but we've no idea what's down there. So what do we do? Do we just wait here until we know what's down there? Do we just go down there with our eyes closed and see what happens? Because that's the only road we can go down, because for some reason we can't even, the car's not got reverse gear or something like that. Like, I've, I've unrung, I've rung so many bells I can't unring talking about this stuff. And uh, first, yeah. first and thing says, are you are, are you safe tonight? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Good, hundred percent. Good. I, I came out because I didn't want to. Like she was in the bath, and I said, oh, "I'm going to go out for a drive." I said I was going to phone my mate. Sorry, I uh, lied to her a bit there. <laughs> uh, and um, and I've come for a bit of a drive around where I live now, and I went and got a brew, put some petrol in the car. I'm going to go home after this, and I, I'm going to go home after this proud that I did what I promised myself I was going to do as well, which was, you know, give you guys a call. I mean, when the when when the radio show ended, I, there was a part of me that was like, bloody hell, you know, and obviously the time didn't know this was coming up. So I was really happy when you both started this show. I only listened to the podcast, though, so I'm two it, days behind. It, I, I have a question about that in a second. Um, it, it doesn't... Uh, the police saying they're not going to take any further doesn't diminish your experience and doesn't in any way lessen the knowledge of what you and your wife and your therapist and other people close to you may, you may have told. It, it doesn't diminish the fact that those people, me and Catherine, know that you went through that and know that that yeah. was horrific. I, 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 I'm, it's, I'm struggling to get this across, but what happened to you is still real and is still valid and is still part of what makes you. And I know it's a shitty part of what makes you, but it's, it's what makes you. And um, yeah. there are people, including us, who know that and mm -hmm. believe that and respect you for surviving. And I use the term surviving. I know it's not particularly, but, but surviving life. You managed to make it this far despite the horrendous things that happened to you. The police saying they're not going to take it further doesn't in any way change that. Does that make sense? No, it, it, it totally does. I think, um, and, and I do, nine times out of ten, I, I, am, I tend to think in that way. You know, like I tend to think in terms of like, I don't really care what his perspective on it is. You know, whether he genuinely does think it was boys being boys or consensual or any of that stuff, like, you know, it was a bit like, um, you know, because I sort of think about my sexuality in the same way as you do, Ian, where it's like, I, I well, for me, I, I never got the space to define my own sexuality because what happened to me was happening at the point where, as a normal kid, you would be figuring it out for yourself. And mm -hmm. instead, it wasn't. So, like, 
everything is imbibed with what he did. Yeah. And I think that one of the other things about, like, it's one of the things that I talk about in therapy a lot is that actually, to some extent, like, she'll say, what, you know, what if he apologized? I don't want an apology. I don't want anything like that. But I talk about, like, wanting just an acknowledgement. You know, along the lines of, like, him saying, like, even if he was going to be as stubborn enough as to say, look, I genuinely never knew that what we were doing, which is, this is bullshit, obviously, but, obviously, but, like, you know, if it was, like, I genuinely didn't know that what we were doing was something that you were not okay with. Mm. Um, but, but I can it, appreciate why you might think that. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But also, I can appreciate that. Um, well, that's the thing, though, because he had, he did say to them, no, we, me and him did do stuff. Oh, he, he acknowledged that. it that, was always, right. yeah. Which is actually, in a way, a bit suckier, because it's like, I don't see how, like, I mean, it didn't take long for me when I was trying to re- recall everything and, and connect all these dots. Like, I did have a moment. I've struggled it forever where I've, I've always, in my head, thought, you can't talk to people about this because it will just be passed off as boys being boys. Um, but then I would sit there and i think, no, do you know what? You never once instigated any of it. You never asked for any of it. There was never any conversation before. It was literally sometimes where, like, we wouldn't even speak. You know, we'd just be sent upstairs by our parents or whatever to, to play, and it just, he'd just, I don't want to say pounce, but, you know, he'd just command what we did, or we'd be on a bike ride, and he'd just divert me into a space or whatever it was. He never told me that he liked me. He never told me that we were boyfriend and boyfriend. So that doesn't sound consensual to me. And he knows all of that. Like, if he'd have done it all and then turned around at some point and said do you know what man I really fancy you like maybe that would have been different but none of that none of that definitely happened and I would you know put my life to that it sounds like and I completely understand it you're looking for a reason you're looking for some way of unpicking what happened with him yeah. acknowledging that what happened wasn't right you know and wasn't I don't know yeah I, and it's like the reason even even if the reason is is just um, yeah, I was a bit of a dick back then, or something. Do you know what I mean? Or, or that like, he misunderstood, you know, or whatever doing. it might. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, like um, it just, it just, um, oh, I, I just, it overcame me, and I just got, you know, it was one of those. It, it, it was a, a slippery slope situation where after we, you know, because it literally as well, honestly, it's almost like parody how archetypal everything was. It all literally began as a game of doctors. Yeah. where he just went too far. Mm. And then six years later to what it, like, it, it had become, there, there is a, I'm not, it's not a justification whatsoever, but the way it evolved, yeah, it was just a bloke. He was just testing boundaries each and every time. And I was basically just his puppet. The, um, the, the, my abuse was, was not anywhere as, as, as intimate as yours sounds like it was. Um, and the, the, the guy that did it to me was significantly older and he's dead now. And there is, uh, I often fantasize about going up to him and going, what the, f- what the fuck, what was that? What were you thinking? Yeah. What was that? And I would imagine that you have fantasized um, about conf- confronting him. Is that something that could happen in reality? Uh, do you think, or is that at the moment a no. definite no, no, no? Well, the only, the only reason it's a no, and one of my best friends said this to me when I was talking to him about it, because I used to say, when I was, like, wrestling with do I go to the police or not, I would, like, ask the question. Um, I, I said, what is it that I can, can be gained from going 
So I'm asking the police to look into it rather than me just doing it myself. Like me having the, the balls to just go up to him and say, listen, back then, what was that? Mm. And, and it was my mate who I, I think quite objectively and quite fairly made the point when you consider everything that he did to me over all those years, what possible reason would you think, what possible reason could there be for you to believe a single word that would come out of his mouth afterwards? This idea that, like, why is he going to tell you the truth now all of a sudden? And, or, or, like, how can you believe? And I absolutely do think this is the case as well. Like, I don't even know what I think about him. Like, would I just... He still has that power over me. I know he does. Like, uh, just... Uh. Something really funny is happening, Christopher. I'm getting really angry while you're saying this. And this is, this is obviously to do with what happened with me and is in no way a reflection of you. But I can hear you saying this and I'm getting really angry. And I, I'm, I'm trying to work out... I'm getting furious. Again, not with what you're saying. It is entirely react, me reacting to, to, to my story. And I'm trying to work yeah. out why. And, and the thing that, that, that seems to, to, to be coming to me is all of the shame that you have felt... I don't know if you still feel it. I don't know where you are in terms of therapy and stuff. But all of the shame that you have felt and all of the self-loathing that you have felt and self-hatred and suicidal thoughts, um, they're not yours. They're his. That's his shame that you have been carrying around for however many years since... It, it, it happened. And I'm sure your therapist has talked to you about this, that, that the shame isn't yours, that it, it actually it belongs to him. He somehow passed that on to you. Um, and you're allowed to, in a peaceful way, you're allowed to hand that shame back. Now, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just, you know, this is stuff that I've heard from other, other um, victims and, and um, things. Uh, 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 one of the ways that can be to do that is that you and your wife write a letter that you never send and then you go and read it out loud yeah. on a hill and then you burn it. I've heard that actually works. <laughs> However hippy-dippy it sounds, I've heard that works. Um, another way is, I don't know, but 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 one way is... Uh, it sounds like I'm telling you what to do and I'm so not. I'm just looking at alternatives. No, no, one, no, way is, one way is you are allowed to contact him whether that is through Facebook or email or a letter, and you are allowed to put down your feelings and your experience and let him know that. Now, he may choose not to respond. He may choose to respond and go, well, this is bullshit, and you know that's not what happened. He may yeah. choose, and it's unlikely, but he may choose to respond going, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He may not. Um but whatever he does is, isn't actually that important. You're allowed to pass that shame back to him. If you ever felt like you wanted to. This is in no way me telling no, you No, no, yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird, you know. I think, like, my... So my viewpoint on it is very much a kind of... Um, I never want to see him or think of him again. And the ironic thing that is that the only thing, like, he, like I, I think of him a thousand times a day, obviously, but, like, yeah. I mean, in a sense of, like, think about him in a, oh, my God, I'm going to this event and he's going to be there or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, like, he, they were, they were, he was a close family friend, so, like, his parents and my parents still had a really good relationship. And 
so that was difficult talking to them about it because it was like I think I'm pretty much about to give you a tell you something that means you're going to have to stop talking to these people and again obviously the thing with that is that's their problem not mine so you know I I was quite quick to relieve myself of that sense of responsibility about that I kind of just I mean I think when I when I when I ruminate over what would help me so like I feel like what has essentially been eradicated today is the possibility of him ever uh, of him ever really truly acknowledging it you know as I said before like regardless of I mean because one one thing that's in my head is when you talk about like communicating with him I could do the sort of thing that I'm doing with you now which is rambling and writing loads and, and you know being really really verbose about it or I could I could do it in like one sentence I could just wrote write you know set, put a piece of paper through his door that says you know what you did where it's like you know, I mean, one of my, the same guy who made that recommendation to me about why would you trust him was also like saying one way or another, he will have been waiting for this date. He's been on borrowed time for 20 years and it's whether or not he's ever at any point over all that time contemplated it himself and thought, Do you know what, what I did was actually pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, I, now he, that might not be true though, but. You I know, imagine he will have told himself a lot of stories and, and explained it to himself in in in, in enough um, of a way that means that he's not culpable. I imagine I that's agree. probably how he survived. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I I think my my personal belief is that him being in that interrogation room, as much as it were, or that interview room, as much as it was, he played it as being like he was shocked, and and they said to me that he was quite. He, they could sense that he was quite. Um, he was struggling. Uh, as they recounted the details I'd recounted to them, I actually would also say that he'd been preparing for that moment, that he's known what he, how he was going to tackle that, mm. you know, for for all that time. And whether or not he's actually told, say, his solicitor the actual truth, and then the solicitor's advised him, oh, well, maybe let's go down this route and try this path. And, and you know, for example, like, maybe part of the whole thing of just saying it was consensual, et cetera, et cetera, is and not even in that interview acknowledging it in like, a, well, I can understand why you might think it went like that. And I'm sorry if that's the way he feels is because as soon as you start, I assume that as soon as a guilty person or the, the you know, the, the, um, the accused, as soon as you start apologizing, the police's next question is, well, what have you got to apologize for yeah. if you didn't do anything? Yeah. Um, all of that makes sense to me. Um, but so, but, but I think like, I definitely have, my motivation now is to obviously to still try and keep getting better, which is just talking and sharing and trying to, I'm trying to own every decision I make, if that makes sense. I'm trying to stop doing things that are controlled by my anxiety or my, Mm. um, depression or anything like that, my fear. Um, and then the other part is, is wanting to help people. I, it's sort of going back in time a little bit to something you were talking about before, but one of the things I said today, which is really horrible, and I didn't say it horribly, but I said it because I, I, was, I said it to my wife, knowing that she could hear it and it was just kind of like the moment talking. But I was saying how the problem, the other problem, one of the major problems I have right now is um, 
when I see her, I think of him because like whether that's when we're being intimate together or whether that is when we, you know, when I have a, say, say when I have a, a an episode, you know, just a, a low day or something like that, you know, work gets on top of me and I start to get a bit arsy or whatever. And then the fact that since we've been through all this journey now, she is so empathetic and caring towards me mm-hmm. instead of being that kind of, before we knew what was wrong with me, quote unquote, um, she, you know, she would always in the past have just been like, oh, get, in the way that you do, isn't it? Where you're just like, oh, get over it, get over yourself. Well, now mm-hmm. you see the gears click in for her where she's like, I'm going to be supportive and I'm going to let him go through his process and, 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 and vent or do all these things. Well, me seeing her do those things, it's like that's all a product of my illness, which is a product of what he did to me. And so then I'm thinking of him. Right. And... And I'm not trying to say that like I don't want to be with her. That's not that's not the, at all the case. But it's like, if but you're still in I it. I don't know. Like, what about the point where my yeah? What about the point? What if it does get to a stage where it's like, oh my god! I my, like every time I look at my wife, I get triggered of thinking uh, about it. Well, so he, how am he, I ever going to get away from it? He, here's the thing, honestly. Uh, you know, I I suspect your marriage will survive this. Honestly, there's a chance it may not. Sometimes these revelations, they can end of marriage you're being completely honest i suspect they won't and also you're both both of you are in the middle of this this isn't over no. yeah the abuse stopped 20 years ago yeah the police have said yeah. um well it's we're not going to take it any further but that's still not the end of it you're still in the middle of this journey the j word you're still in the middle of this so you're not at your final destination with your wife yet and i suspect there no. is quite a lot more work that you need to, you need to do separately, both of you, and you need to do together. I was going to say that to um, to this, you know to, to, to strengthen. I suspect the the end. There is no end. I suspect further down the line, the marriage is going to be fucking incredible. You know, you, you, you're going to be locked together with an intimacy and a knowledge of each other that most couples never never get. It's just going to be work. No, I, I definitely think. Yeah, I think that too. I think like he, and. The relationship we have now is so much more stronger and open and honest than, than it's ever been, and, and so there are positives that have come from it. But like the other example, the other thing about it is, and like sort of saying all of this with the knowledge that actually this is a good thing. But like as a survivor as well, do you have this feeling with your kids? I have a fear every time my kids are upstairs playing with their mates and. I've not got eyes on them and I don't know exactly what it is. And I, I, you know, when we've been together with other couples and stuff like that, and I am always the parent that just, I just have to go upstairs and see. I did, we were at a, a, we were at a party on the weekend and my eldest was sitting on the couch with her cousin who's a few years older and they're just watching TV but, and they were sat close to each other. And the thing is, I, obviously, nothing was happening there. But because of what happened to me, I just have that fear of like, I want to see everybody's fingers and toes right now. I want to know where everybody is and I want yeah. to kind of separate them and sit them from. But I was like, I was, and I was talking to my own wife about this almost as like, am I going to create any, a moment like that? If I then, if I then, uh, if I let my, my fear and my past uh, influence the way I interact with those two, and, you know, say I separated these two cousins and then the older one is like, why, why did Uncle Chris do that? 
what what would you thought of what what would you thought to do that? And then you're, suddenly you're, you're, you're not you're, you're not going to create you're not going to create you're not going to create a repetition of history by doing that. You're not. I know. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm being possibly purposely obtuse. But no, I, no, no. But I, what, I, I know. But my uh, my 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 fear uh, uh, if my you know if my boys wanted to join the Cubs, I would have severe reservations about it and luckily they haven't um but they do uh they do do kind of activities with older men and i'm a i'm a lot more relaxed about it than i thought i would be but it crosses my mind quite a lot not enough but do you feel yourself um do you when you say like you're, it doesn't affect you as much. Is, do you feel yourself doing little, put, putting in place little failsafes, like being that dad who just like hangs around a bit longer or just has to put, you know, like I mean, obviously I never like make a big deal of it, but you know I'll dress it up as going upstairs to the toilet, but I'll make sure as I'm doing it that I peek my head around, which you know, and and I'm not saying this in any way, shape, or form as if like it's my parents' fault what happened to it. Of course it no, isn't, but no. that was the thing when we were growing up, they didn't do that. Hours could go by, and we could literally do anything. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I am hyper aware of every man that is that I meet that has been in contact with my kids in terms of teachers and other parents. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm putting in necessarily. I'm certainly not aware. And now you've mentioned it, I'm going to keep an eye open to see. I, I, as far as I'm aware, I'm not putting in extra measures, but I am, my God, when I'm meeting like a sports teacher or something, or someone who has the opportunity to see my boys naked, I'm, I am scanning them, you know, I'm scanning yeah. them to see if I can see something within them. Of course, generally, you don't see something with, with, within people like that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intensely studying the men that have contact with my kids. Like- yeah, I mean, one of the things that surprised me the most was when I started particularly telling my close friends who I'd been to school with and had grown up around, I honestly at first was talking to them in a way of like, okay, I've told you this, now you tell me yours. And, and to a man and woman, every single time, it was like, no, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. like that. You know, because like we'd all been altar boys or we'd all been, uh, you know, in similar school settings and stuff like that. And they were like, and, and so I did take, Honestly, I took some relief from thinking, because I'd spent so long thinking, there's no point, especially when the Me Too movement started, it was like, God, everybody's been through this. And I know there's a lot of us that have, and more, you know, and and I also, it's why, like, when you said before that yours wasn't as bad as mine, I don't, I just don't see that. I just think anything that's happened to anybody is, it's all bad one way or another, and it's, this is one of my like faults. Is I, I, I'm constantly quantifying it, and this is one of my my failings. Is that I I'm constantly going. No, well, no, no. Mine no. Wasn't that bad. Don't talk about faults and failings. Again, it's how you survive it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah. how you do it. You you diminish it. Oh, it, it'll be all right. It wasn't that bad. It probably happened to everyone. That thing is what a kid will tell themselves. Because yeah. how do you put it any other way? Yeah. No, I was eight when it happened to me. I've got an eight year old next door. And actually, yeah, when I think about what, what, what happened to me, if that happens to, to him... Um, yeah, that's not light, is it? No, it's not. 
And the thing I think no. that you do do that's brilliant, and I'm sure you're the same, having spoken to you now, Christopher, for, for a while, is that you um, you can check in with your kids in other ways. You can make sure that, that that line of dialogue is open. You don't have to say it, you know, when they're really little. They don't have to know the detail of it, but just to know that they can talk to you about anything that makes them feel weird you oh, know i do put, i have put in a, uh, I, I have put in a measure i occasionally when my kids I'm, I'm very good at talking with my kids about feelings and stuff man because my parents never did yeah, yeah and i have occasionally like after sports and stuff or swimming and sometimes they come out and they're like a bit quiet and a bit down and i'm you know very gently i was i was swimming today that was right uh you're a bit, a bit quiet is everything okay yeah it's fine did you get told off no 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 yeah. did you get into an argument with a friend no 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 did someone touch you? You know, I do ask mm. that. I do ask that question. I kind of, I mix it in yeah. with some other questions. But is, did, did anyone touch you or anything? And the, no, no, no. the thing I've set in place I, with I my girls right, is anything think... that makes your stomach feel funny. You know, anything, yeah. anything like that, you can always talk to me about it because it's not your secret to keep. That's the main thing. No, and, and actually, to what, to what you were saying, Kat, I think, like, I, can, I, I like to think that both me and my wife, we are totally... Well, like we talk to our, we always have done. We talk to our kids as if they're adults, which actually can lead to as many problems as it can positive. But mm. um, in this sort of regard, it's like it's this. It, we are establishing a relationship with them that is very much like you can tell us anything, and you know we will hear it and listen to it. And like, I mean, sometimes it scares me, but you know, my eldest has had moments where like. She had a little episode through lockdown where she basically just run out of things to do at the house. She'd swung the swing as many times as she could do it and gone down the slide. And she was she was bored. And her sister had gone back to school because of the year she was in. And, she, and I saw her outside in the back garden just crying, oh. like just having a little weep. Yeah. And and I said to my wife, I was like, you know, that, and it scared me because it was like, and, and it, it was just. Of what it scared me because of what's in my head in those moments, and I've been in that in that position. But then we didn't just brush it off or be like, "Come in here, cheer up," or anything like that. We, we instead went up and sat her down and said, "What's wrong?" and asked her to articulate it. So, yeah, you know, in that sense, again, there's those. Yeah, I I do put those checks in place. It yeah. just it just I I think what I was I suppose what I'm trying to say is. I envy the, the parents who can just, you know, be at a dinner party and not have to think about it because they've never had to think about it. But, you know, once you've been through what I've been through, it's, it's impossible not to. And, and that's where it's like, it's forever affected. I am hyper aware as well when I'm playing with kids, like hyper aware of physical contact of where my eyes are looking of, of yeah. everything of everything I, and it's one of the things that, that annoys me is there's constant voice in the back of my head going what, what does that look like what, what does that look like to other people and listen i love playing with kids i love getting hands on with kids um and i'm aware that it's more appropriate at, at certain times than others but i'm i'm really aware even with my boys what does this look like to someone else who's watching what would what, and it's just a constant noise in and my the other head. thing is that kids really gravitate towards you you know he's the dad I'm in the park magnet. he's the dad in the park that ends yeah, up yeah, swinging yeah. everyone's kid on the zip line you know i'm really aware of you know and yeah. and, and uh, i'm i'm aware of of looking at you know i'm i like pulling faces on trains to kids and stuff i'm aware of looking at kids i'm aware of where my hands are i'm aware of what a parent might think all of this stuff you know over and it's good to be cautious of course it is 
but I'm overly cautious. But it's all know? part of that thing but about wonder, the shame not being yours. Yeah. Yeah, you know? but I wonder if um, what you're talking about there is that as a result, you overcompensate, yeah, but totally. in a good way. Like there are people who say haven't been through these things who then perhaps because they don't want to risk it, don't do anything. They're just mm -hmm. ambivalent to any child they walk past. But I'm like what you're describing there is exactly how I interact with kids as well. Anytime a kid makes eye contact with me, I always smile, blow a raspberry. Totally. Well, not wink, because that's problematic. But, you know, <laughs> do anything where it's like making them just feel happy or okay. Yeah, playing with kids like we used to do. Like, and, that, and that's exactly it. You're trying to make it, you're trying to do something for that kid that wasn't happy. So if you can just brighten yeah. someone's day a little bit, well, I, I completely get why you're doing it. It's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's a, that's a brilliant side effect of something bloody awful that should never have happened. Christopher, can I ask you a question? And you have the absolute right to say no to this, but um, you mentioned earlier on that you, you know, you, you hope that part of your um, experience evolves into you being able to help people. Would yeah. you be okay if we put this phone call out as a standalone podcast? If you say no, we won't. Uh, no, that that'd be cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Are I'm you sure? Are you sure? Or do you want to sit on it a bit and think about it? I was going to say, why don't you have a think about it over the weekend and uh, email us and okay. um, and let us know? Because if you change your mind, I mean, it'll it'll, it'll be in the, the 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 YouTube and stuff. We could take it out if you really wanted to. Uh, but if you changed your mind and didn't want it as a podcast, then we wouldn't put it out. The the only thing I would suggest would say is that it, it from the chat, a lot of people are um, remembering stuff. A lot of people are remembering stuff. Let me put it like that and finding it incredibly yeah. helpful. But I, I say that in, not in any way to put any pressure on your decision. I just know no, a lot no, of people it, will get a lot out of it. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It's like, um, I mean, the only thing, and I, I'm aware that I'm, in what I'm about to say, it's it's potentially creating work, but I'm sure, like, I don't think I've said anything that is either incriminating no. or... No. You've mentioned no names, much. we don't know where you are or anything like that. We've no. just got your name. Yeah. But, I mean, I, no, it's that thing where it's like, I haven't really got anything to... I mean, it's kind of towards the point you said before about it's um, it's not my shame, is it? It's his shame. That's the other thing, isn't it? It's like I've not done anything wrong, yeah. and if it's something that can help people, or if people can, no, I've, I've got a problem with it because also one of the things I want to do, I, I want to do something creative with it, and if this is a starting point, something I can use as a tool, listen back to, I've, yeah, it'd be. Um, I, well, I, I don't think I'll have a problem with it, but I will email. I'll email you on Monday. Tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. If you email us, so we've got your email address, I will make it, I will send it to you. You can have a listen to it if you want to and think about it that way. Yeah. So then you've got total control. Yeah, if there are any bits you don't want in there, I'll take them out. Yeah. If you don't want it played, I will take you... it out. No, sure. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's really kind. I, uh, I mean, does it offend you if I tell you that I listen to podcasts at 1.8 speed? Now what is that? That's a, that's a time, thing. Time. That's a thing, isn't it? And I've never quite got round to doing it because I I don't actually have as many. You know, I'm not behind on my podcasts or my audio books. But I that's too many. Yeah, well, that's it. Is it? Have you got like a big backlog, and that just helps you get yeah, through it? I've got. I subscribe to about like fifty odd. I don't not not that are publishing regularly, but like I've got ones that are in the heavy rotation, and I have like. There was a point where I was always up to date on your guys' show as well, but um, occasionally I'll 
I'll miss a couple of days and I'll have to like he's seeing other podcasts behind our back I can't believe this is how he tells us (laughs) I know know. Tati says 1.8 is very specific why not 1.5 or 2 because I've been working my way up to it so (laughs) I started I started at 1 then I went 1.2 wow 1.2 I'm now at 1.8 I cannot break the two times barrier Wow. It will come because this is the other thing. This is a gateway. Like once you, what it is honestly, once you get used to it, like actually, to be fair, I haven't noticed it, but I should find this conversation weird hearing you two at this point. Why this they're speed. so slow? Have, yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you both sound so simple? Why do you sound so stupid, guys? Because that's the other thing. When you've been listening at one point eight speed and you go back to one at uh, one speed, you all sound drunk and high <laughs> and like I, it's just it's just and it's, it's screwed in my head so much i talk about like being being unwell i talk to my like i'll tell my brother about it sometimes because i'll listen to something really funny and i'll say oh, you should listen to this it's dead funny and he'll say i listened to it and it wasn't that funny and i was like well it was funny at 1.8 speed but maybe <laughs> timing doesn't work as well normal comedy is all about the timing Christopher, thank you so much for sharing that with us, and 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 partly because it's fascinating to hear, but also, you know, Catherine and I are are always um, amazed that, that people want to share this stuff with us, and it, and it, it means you know it's validation of what we're trying to do. So um, I, I really appreciate yeah, it. No, and I you can call at any point. Uh, also, I wanted to say your wife sounds awesome, and I wonder yeah, whether there there is some way of getting her a little bit of support as well. Because you've been in it together, but her experience would be a bit different from yours. And that thing I was going to say that thing about the tension. I was going to say that thing about the tension when you realise that she's more aware, uh, and and yeah. maybe there's something a technique or something like that. She could get a bit of guidance because she won't be doing it on purpose. You know that, of course. No, no, I do. Yeah, As she she took her time to. Uh, look out for some help but I was really proud of her and glad when she did because you know I I always felt I talked this is a problematic phrase but I would say things to people I, I would talk about it in time like, there was this poison inside of me and I, all I was doing by sharing with people was passing it on mm. and like you know um and I know that's the wrong way to think about it but as a result of thinking in those terms it, I'd then be like well you know I went through this trauma I've got some form of PTSD, perhaps, or anything like that. I've, not, I've, I've never been diagnosed, right? But, um, but it's, it's a trauma in itself being yeah. told about these things, yeah. especially if it's about something you care about. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I'm always really glad that she gets some help, but then sometimes she's a bit more um, stoic than not. You know, she'll because she's she's putting on a face for me because she doesn't want to add to my tension. And it's like, I think again, it sounds crass to say, but honestly, at this stage knowing like even just her knowing even me knowing she was struggling at various points or you know like a little bit overwhelmed by it all or worried about where i am or what i'm doing like i make light of it a lot but then there are moments she she had a turn of phrase the other couple of weeks back where you know as much as i think it's a good thing to be honest with her to say and for example to, to acknowledge the fact that I think about death all the time and I fantasize about not being around and stuff like that. And I know I'm never going to do it. I, well, I know I've got too many other things to do. My problem is I have no self-esteem. And so it's that uh, I, 
I won't do anything as stupid as that until I've ticked off everything on my list that I have to do, which is Jeez, like provide wow. my kids. I know that. Ex I know that exact thought pattern. Wow, I've never heard it verbalized yeah. before. And it's like, so in my head, I know I'm not a flight risk, but she talks about how, like, you know, if she tries to phone me and I don't answer the phone twice, she suddenly, she, do you know, uh, I'm, I'm building the house that we're going to live in forever. Like, you know, I'm building our forever home. We found this idyllic house that we really, really like, and I'm working on it. And I've been for, for quite a while now. And she said a couple of weeks ago that she had this, she can't shake this feeling that I've purposely designed certain parts of the house with my suicide in mind. And when she said that to me, she couldn't be more wrong, but at the same time, I knew exactly what she was talking about. You know, like yeah. high ceilings or girders in certain places. And and, and I, I, I was really glad that I was able to say to her, I haven't done that. Yeah. Um, she but needs, at the same time, she needs, she needs help. She needs help away from you. Yeah. And by that, what what I mean is, um, her, yeah, yeah. Uh, her own therapist, her own counselor, where it's her, where she could, because that that's a heavy thing for someone to 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 for a partner to carry around, and not in any way blaming you that she's carrying it around. No, that's no, that's just her yeah. own defense system is kicking in because she's concerned about you and she's worried about you, and and you've expressed, you know, what what people don't understand, Christopher, maybe you'll identify with this, is I feel suicidal a lot. But it doesn't mean I'm going to kill myself. It, it, it's 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 two different things for me. There have been times when I have been close to killing myself, but 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 being suicidal and killing myself are two different things. But the fact that she is she is having those thoughts, um, yeah, it, it means that she needs she needs somewhere private and safe where she can go and share all that stuff. Yeah. you know. Um, I yeah. was no, I was. Definitely. Can I say, um. When things were really tough with you, Ian, I was worried that I was going to get a phone call or I was going to be the one that was going to... And I realised that I couldn't live like that every day, wondering if um, yeah. if I didn't speak to you or if I said something, would I trigger it? Would it, you know, and you, and you can't live yeah. like that. I was lucky in that I got to speak to someone who, you know, made me breathe properly for a bit, you know, and, uh, and realised that... Not my fault, not my control, you know, and, and, and I had to have a bit of self-preservation and that's why I say to you that um you both need a little bit of care and a little bit of love and to be able to speak yeah, freely yeah. to someone outside it may be because um oh, it's, no, it, it's no definitely. way to live and she'll be being brave for you and she'll be being a lioness and everything but she, she's yeah. she's probably also been very frightened yeah I think I think there is a there is a great privilege uh, like, even though, obviously, I'll have moments where I have to try and remind myself that, like, it's my story and I'm the victim or, or you know, like, like give myself permission at times to think about me. Yeah. Um, there is also, I think, a great privilege in... I, I've got a privilege that other people don't have, which is that I know what's going on in my head. So, as you said, Ian, like, I know what... I know what my definition of suicidal thoughts is, and it's incredibly similar to yours. But if you just say that to a person they just jump straight to like, yeah, so what are you telling me? Like, you just, every single day you want to die. And it's like, well, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Like, yeah. you know. I, yeah. But it, yeah, it, and it's not, I'm, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do it. It's, Jesus, my, my default, and I don't get it so much now, my default is if something goes wrong, and by wrong, I mean a light bulb goes, or I piss on the floor instead of the toilet, or, or something like that. Oh, shit, I wish I was dead. That's kind of my default thing and it's just kind of this bubbling thing i wish oh man i wish i was dead i wish i was dead 
Now, actually, I'm not going to act on that. And actually, if I were to break it down, I don't really wish I was dead. But it, 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 being su having suicidal thoughts is, is, does not mean you're even going to go and buy the rope mm. to be so blunt. You know, it's a mindset. That people yeah. don't have and those my, my don't version understand. of that is my, my version of that is that I I persuade myself in my worst moments that uh, my wife and my kid would be better off if I wasn't around. Yeah, yeah, and course. I also um, I also persuade myself that um, I wouldn't raise I, I wouldn't have married a person like my wife and I wouldn't have raised kids like my kids who couldn't look after themselves without me. But like as much as they'd be affected emotionally stuff like this on a practical level they'll be fine because and that's the insanity well, of it and though. my wife is a really strong yeah, yeah yeah and that's the insanity of it because if you look if you take one step back and look at it objectively no one benefits no everyone suffers you know that uh, you uh, passing that legacy on to our kids uh, you know do you know any <laughs> name me one kid who, whose parent committed suicide and, and they're having a great time it doesn't it doesn't happen you know but also the truth is that part of the reason why your kids are brilliant and part of the reason why your wife is incredible is you yeah i am pretty amazing. there we go take that christopher <laughs> um thank you man no, I'm sorry. Can I just say before you uh, cut me off? Um, the, the if first, he says up your bowl or something like that, I'm, I'm going to cut him off. I'll be furious. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, right. <laughs> the first... So I, I can't figure out if the first part is going to be a compliment. But um, well, the first time I ever heard you... Yes. Are we there? Yes. Yeah. Hello? Um, yeah. yeah. Hello. The first time I heard you on the radio after like the 11 o'clock years is when you were on Absolute. And the very first show I ever heard of yours was... The, the, I don't know how many times you did it, but it was the whole show was sung. Uh, you remember we doing only, that? I do, we did it. We did it once, and we were going to do it again at talk, and then we didn't because I think a bomb went off. I think there was a terror. Right. I think there was a terrorist attack, so we couldn't do it, or there was an idiot on a in a car. It what? seemed a bit inappropriate, put it that way. But we did it. We did no, it no, in absolute I, once, yeah. Yeah, but like because I've always just thought whenever you guys have been like spitballing, oh, should we try and do this again, or should we do that? And I'm always it's on the tip of my tongue every single time where it's like. Just do the singing episode yeah. again because it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. We were going to do it. I and had all the music of... and everything, and yeah. then it was a terrorist attack, and so we the, the, the yeah, kind yeah. of moment went. Actually, we'd done it that night. Every, <laughs> my recollection is that everybody that phoned up was it was like played along as well, and, were fantastic. Yeah. and you would cut people off who started speaking. You're like, no, you've got to sing, and uh, everyone. Did I was it. working night time, so I couldn't do it. But. The same thing, the other thing about that night... You should have done this, you should have done this call singing. That's, that would have taken the edge off a bit. Ash, that's very true, isn't it? I, but I'd have struggled to rhyme. I think that would have been the difficulty. Um, I also, the first time I was listening, so I, like, I knew about you and, and like, I enjoyed you on TV and stuff like that, but your voice, that first time I listened, I honestly listened to the whole thing thinking you were rolling river on. And oh, wow. I, okay, I'll take that. I, I, yeah, okay. Wow! But like I went to the to the extent that I went home to my future wife after that shift and said, "I just did this really good like radio show last night. R Roland Riveron's got a show." And I tried googling it for ages and I couldn't find it. And then eventually figured out it was you instead. And then I was hooked. I don't <laughs> think he ever did a radio show. Uh, no, he did. A, he did a lot of booze, and I once um, uh, didn't get on a bus because I saw he was on it, and I and I'd met him once, and I, I just didn't I didn't know what to say to him. Uh, there's, there's a, I don't uh, think it, as much as your voices are the same. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'd have had the same level of like connection 
like listening to like listening to you over the years and there's a couple of american guys that i listen to as well and it's like sometimes the amount of times that you guys are having conversations that just you know i i can finish your sentences as, as i hear you talking because i'm just like yeah that's how i feel right. that's how it's, I getting, feel. it's getting a little bit weird now it's getting a little bit weird now christopher <laughs> a little bit creepy um listen so stay safe the podcast off the table <laughs> stay safe um, give us a call anytime and um, thank you. I really appreciate that. You've given me a lot to think about and consider. So thank you very much. Well, I, uh, I kept my promise to myself. So I'm, I'm very glad we talked. And I apologise to everybody for taking up quite a long part of the show. No, 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 no. Don't apologise. We were glad that you found us. Take care, man. Lots of love. Cheers, man. Bye, bye. bye. I am going to close the phones. Yeah. Because... What we're going to say after that? Thank you. Jim gets it right. What a show! One night quiz night, another night that, and that's it. That's what we always wanted it that's to be. That's it. Yeah. Going from Nigel to this, going from you know yesterday, um, what I what I believe was a rigged competition. I've been. I look back at the tapes, and I, I saw bits of paper being passed around, emails being received. So I think it was a rigged competition. To let me finish, to Christopher's very powerful story. Well, but you know the two things are connected. I know it seems like it's a different show every day, but Christopher wrangles because we made him. Ian made him laugh at some point. What do you mean at some point? Constantly. I mean, constantly throughout the years. He's just been a giggle fest, obviously. But what I'm saying is that it's. Um, People underestimate the power of being daft on the radio. Or... Um, I was getting very strict with the timeouts there because I don't. I, 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 um, first of all, we have to play adverts. I'm really, really sorry. So if you mention the ads, you got a timeout. If you kept on mentioning it, you got bad. I'm really sorry. Yeah, of course they seemed inappropriate, but I, what can I tell you? I've got to do it. I'm contractually obliged to do it. Yeah, can we get the link for the Samaritan? I was going to say, can we do the number? Someone will do that. One of the mods will put that up. Um, and also people that were kind of that were not kind of people that were, were giving direct uh, uh, suggestions about the police. That phone call wasn't about the police. That phone call, well, that, the, the police were the, the, the trigger for it, but it wasn't about that. And I didn't really want to go down that route. And so we, uh, that's why I was timing people out. So if you yeah. feel you're hard done by, Officer Krupke. Um, should we do changing rooms on Monday? We could do it on Monday if you want. Yeah. Well, it's, it's ten to midnight. <laughs> I've got two boys in there. I'm hoping they're still awake. They shouldn't be in there anymore, should they? I thought they'd been um, decanted. Yeah, they won't have gone to the den. Um, you, can we do it on Monday? Let's do it Monday. Let's do it Monday. I, I, I would enjoy the gear change a lot, but also I would like to get to, to bed mm. a lot. There's the Samaritans. One one six, one two three. One one six, one two three. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.